have a really good joke too. That's very highly doubtful. <laughs> that's highly unlikely. I have. In fact, I will bet that I don't okay. laugh. No, you will laugh. I, d I bet I don't laugh. No, you will laugh. It's possible, Gabe. Under under or over on this one, based on prior experience. Okay, well here's the thing. Prior experiences mean nothing. Okay, tired. let's go. I'm really tired of having to. Are you rolling? Because we we gotta. Do you want a COVID joke or do you want to? I don't know. I want to laugh and you don't, you're not funny. Okay. Do you want to know how? <laughs> See, I win. Do you want to know how to get your tissue to party? Please tell me. You put a little boogie in it. <laughs> how old are you? You're like five. That is so good. Do you get it? Little, Do I get it? <laughs> I'm Josh Sigmund, and I'm a mortgage lender. I'm also a geek for money, not just earning it and saving it, but literally everything about it. I love that money has rules. It has its truths. I love investment strategies, and I love making money work for us. For so many, money is emotional. For me, it's logical, like a puzzle. My passion is also helping others with their money. I love looking at people's finances, dissecting their puzzle, and rebuilding with strategy and purpose. And I'm really good at it. I'm making this podcast about my money strategies, not the things that are written in books or sold in programs. It's a podcast outlining the lessons I've learned and used for the past 15 years. These strategies help me and those who use them save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. Let me teach you how to build your net worth. You ready? Welcome to Sigmund Sense. That's Welcome a lot. back. Welcome back. Welcome back to Sigmund Sense. Welcome. Uh, host Josh Sigmund and Bryn Rouse, hostess with hostess. the most S. Yay. And uh, we had a couple different things going on and some new. Um, episodes we were asked to record so we'll do one of those today called behind the scenes of being a landlord yeah uh, before we do is there any other uh emailed questions that need to be handled or not at this time which is easy enough we're not at this, this. time Perfect. because and i'll tell you why we had the same question asked by multiple people and so that showed me right there we're going to do a whole episode on it Perfect. so Yep. Perfect. So that's my it. answer, and I'm sticking to it. Cool. Well, this is behind the scenes on being a landlord. So I guess my question for you, Bryn, is you're not a landlord. I am not a landlord. So we'll use, use the guinea pig. Speaking on behalf of the audience, mm -hmm. what questions might you have, or what would you hope to get out of this? I've, I've been a landlord for many moons, about 15 years now, and uh, privately for a couple of years, and got to experience the hells of that. Yeah. And the winds of that. And then I also have had property managers for many moons mm -hmm. since then. So are you currently managing any of your own properties? Like, are you? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. I okay. think there's a critical point of when uh, you shouldn't. And I'll get. So I'll is that, that a number of properties yeah. thing? Okay. So it's not like. In time. In time. In time. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think, well, let's just kind of roll into it. I want you to stop and ask questions. Um, yeah. If I'm skipping through things or not explaining it well, as I know I go fast sometimes. But uh, let's start with this. We, we obviously had a podcast about buying investment properties. And so mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to specifically stay around residential properties in this case. Uh, I, I do have commercial property as well, but it's a totally different animal. It's right. a, uh, you know, you're dealing with more emotional buyers versus you know, business buyers when you're mm -hmm. dealing with residential lending versus or residential renting versus commercial. 
um, contra- contracts are uh, way more in the landlord's favor, in my opinion, on a commercial property. On a commercial property. Than they okay. are with, yeah, you screw, screw with people's houses where they live, where they reside, judges start to get a little bit right. antsy pants. Okay. Um, so this is all about you. Maybe you're moving out of your first house and you want to retain it and you're going to uh, try and rent it out and keep it long term because you know, a good piece of property is always mm-hmm. a good piece of property. Or maybe you're going to, uh, you just got in the endeavor of you're going to buy your first investment property. Um, so the, again, th- there's a whole episode about what those numbers might look like, but yeah, I think so what, me, what are the, you know, yeah, I think, I think a good place to start is, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I have no desire to be a landlord and I am in real estate and I probably should have more of a desire to do that. But Randy doesn't either. Neither one of us do. And that's a good start. There's, there's a piece of it that intrigues me for sure. Mm -hmm. I would be actually more interested in flipping something than actually like having rental properties as far as real estate investing goes. And I think the reason why is, and there could be a reason for this, but all I hear is the horror stories and probably because the horror stories are way more entertaining to tell than the, Oh, I have this great property with great tenants that have been there for five years and they pay on time and nothing ever breaks and they just want to live there forever. Like those are probably, I'm guessing they, I think they happen. I do think they happen. They're probably, is it less often that that happens? Um, I think that the wins in long-term rentals are smaller than the big losses. So and the so reason that's like what I'm no one brags time? about making a hundred or 200 bucks a month. Right. <laughs> Me um, and my girlfriend had this conversation right, yesterday. But, it's but like, they'll certainly remember and talk about the $10,000 loss on a bad tenant. Right. Right. So, so I think, I think the, that's the, why the, you hear more pain stories than you'll hear has wins. To be, yep. Has to be. And so, you know, you take that into consideration. I think, you know, my biggest, my biggest fear when I think of, okay, I want to, if I'm going to be a tenant, one stuff breaking all the time, hmm. like that is one of my biggest, okay. you know, um, and constantly having to like be over at a house or being responsible for paying for, for repairs. The second piece is people destroying my house mm-hmm. and that like you put those two things together and I'm like, no. Yeah. Um, so the second one I want to address first, cause that's an emotional issue, right? Like if you move out of your house and make an investment property, you got to disconnect. It's no longer your house. It's an yeah, investment. Such a, yeah. Right. Like uh, it's the same thing I talk about when you flip properties. You know, my wife wants to make it a house that she would live she in. She would live in. And, and I want to make it. sure the numbers work. Right. And it's a totally different animal when you approach it that mm-hmm. way. So uh, I, I've actually heard that comment before. That's why I jumped right to it. It's like, well, you know, it's funny that you say yeah. that. Um, like uh, Christy and I own our first house we ever lived together in, in uh, Shirts, Texas. And... Uh, it's, we've now owned it since 2002. Okay. And so we're talking 18, 19 years later and we have not occupied it for eight years. Have you the same renters in there the whole time? Nope. No. Uh, a couple for two years, a couple for one year, one person died in it. Um, yeah. All I right. mean like we've had the gambit, there you uh, go. but what I'll tell you is that that property, if we had sold it back in, so we moved into our house in 2013 so no, 12 before, uh, so eight years now. So if we had sold it in 2012, I probably could have sold it for about 165. Uh, if I sold it today, I'd sell it for 250. Wow. So uh, and uh, the property is free and clear. So we've been getting on average $1,400 of rent a month. Um, give up 10%, so 140 a month to property management okay. in this case. 
So net, and then you, know, you do you yeah. stockpile and I, and I know I don't want to get too much into the yep. numbers piece of it, but do you stockpile a certain amount for repairs? Um, I'll explain that it's a little easier. Yes is the answer, but I do it a different way now. Um, so 140 comes out for property management. So now you're, I'm down to netting about 1260. Uh, taxes annually are about 4,000. Insurance annually is about 1,000. Oh, uh, yeah. Umbrella insurance is about 600 mm-hmm. a year for all the properties. Uh, and so when I really boil it down to it, I'm probably netting somewhere around 750 a month every month for which for, is great, and that's a paid off property. Not a paid off property, uh, but 750 a month forever. Yeah. Plus the $75,000 additional gain by holding for seven years. So can I get over the thousand uh, dollar? Yeah. We had a leak. Yes, uh, we had to replace the roof for five grand. Yes, we had to just replace the. Uh, Water softener for Do thousand bucks. Do you keep home yes. warranties on your rental properties? I used to early on. I don't anymore. I think that's a good point, though. So let's let's kind of talk about the first one versus the third one versus the tenth one, right? And I do want to point out that we, we did have an opportunity. Uh, we were going to purchase a new home in our neighborhood, new home for us in our neighborhood, and those people actually wanted to stay in our neighborhood but downsize. Mm-hmm. We wanted bigger. They wanted that. We were going to house swap. And we were going to basically rent our home out to them and move and buy theirs. So we would keep both properties. I was... This is a house swap, not a wife swap. uh, uh, Well, you know, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Just making sure we're clear. Okay. That's for a different episode. (laughs) Don't intermingle them. Um, I was interested then. I was... I got you off your game right there. You just blushed. That makes me really happy. I did? I blushed? See, that's called funny. I made you laugh. That's what funny Um, jokes look like. You want to hear funny, you go back to that. (laughs) Boogie, boogie, boogie. Um, So I was interested in doing it at that point um, because I think I felt, one, it was my house. um, It was in the same neighborhood. I was going to like potentially know these people, Mm -hmm. um, which also could probably be a total disaster in the end. Uh, But... That was the one and only time that I was like, I would was considering yeah. or we were considering doing it. So, yeah. So, um, so let's, so you asked about the home warranty. Yeah. So home warranty. I think home warranties are great when you're worried about a appliance, AC or something like that going out and you are already tight on the initial investment, yes. right? So yes. when you're at a spot early on and you might not have a lot of reserves, uh, for the investment, property, like, let's just talk about the worst case. The worst case is that property goes unoccupied for a long period of time. The worst yeah. case is not an AC going out. I didn't even think about that. The I'm just case, assuming they're always going to rent. <laughs> well, yeah, they'll always rent, rent for a price, right? But most <laughs> okay. emotional people yeah. will not sell it for less than or rent it for less than what they should get for it, right? So they hold yeah. on too long. So yeah, that'd be um, me. If, if you lost your job and now you've got to pay your house bill and a rental property mm-hmm. bill at the same time for a long period of time, that's really what, what really eats people up. Um, the second worst case, in my opinion, would be a major appliance going out. You know, the the most expensive one is an AC probably. AC. Roof usually has an insurance on it mm-hmm. if for a hailstorm or windstorm. Yeah. Um, I guess the only other thing which would be really bad, but you'd see it coming from a mile away, would be foundations. You or know, flooding. Is that a thing that uh, happens? Flooding again is insurance like from a usually. Leak. Like from a leak or something. Insurance, insurance again, yeah. So everything else usually falls within what a mortgage cost would be anyways. Yeah. So my point in saying this is, that home warranties are great early on. It is an insurance. It's cost. So you got to equate that cost into your return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's 500 bucks a month for or $500 a year for peace of mind that you're not going to have to pay a big outlay of a single big appliance at one right. point, it's great uh, initially. Now, and uh, so just now to clarify t- too, for home warran- for anybody that's unfamiliar with home warranties, you buy a home warranty, uh, you pay one upfront fee for it. And then annually. Yep. And then Right. And then you can replace them annually on your home. 
Then they have, if something, um, if something that is covered by your home warranty breaks at your house, then you call your home warranty company. They send out a, a repair company. That's on their approved list. For that, fi- and you have a $50 service charge. 50, 60 bucks. Um, and typically they'll replace it and you're only out that $60 yep. for that service fee, obviously outside of what you've paid for yep. that. And every home warranty is a little bit different. Right. So check the coverages. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's the idea. Um, you know, so does it work well with one, two, three properties? Yes. But if you have 10 properties, mm-hmm. well, are you going to really spend $5,000 a year for home warranties? Or would you just pay for the $1,000 uh, repair once a year? Like right. if, I was, if I could spend $500 on since properties, I'm saving $5,000 a year to not use it. So I just hope my AC doesn't go off just in as, the yeah. first year. You know, if, I, if it doesn't go out till the second year, I literally have enough money to replace that entire AC and still save some money overall on all those properties. So as long as you have the reserves, it, um, yes, which goes back to right um, cash flow. But if you're doing ten properties, you definitely have reserves. You definitely have reserves. You, yeah. And then what about so if you get to that ten property point and you want to have somebody manage those properties, are there companies that handle repairs for you? Um, yeah. And what does that look like? Are you, are yeah, you so less? I think, and it doesn't have to be 10, right? So I, I think I gave up through my hands up there at four or five. Okay. I think I got to four or five before I called up my buddy and, and had him do my property management. So let's talk about before and after, because there's a couple key things when you go to what's really behind the scenes, right? So if you're your own landlord and you've, the, you know, you decide you're going to rent this property out. The first thing is you have to find them. So you're going to spend some sort of marketing dollars usually. I didn't even think about so, that. So yeah, people have to post it in the newspaper yeah. or internet or something. But you got to get somebody called. I put a sign in the yard that works quite often, actually. Um, if people are driving through neighborhoods. But you shot the market with some yeah. sort of expense there. Gotta find it. Um, and then you have to, you're supposed to, and this goes back to a big miss that, I, you know, when I was talking with Chris and Tom about this, it's a big miss of a lot of people is you don't properly vet the tenants. And how would you? Right. Well, most people don't know what to do the first one around, but you get permissions to pull credit. How do you pull credit? You though, can do it online. You're... Yeah, oh. you can do. You can pull with permission. You can pull people's credit scores online, or you can pay services uh, to do it for you. Uh, I think it's important to do criminal background checks. I would definitely. Like, I really don't want to have a child molester in my properties. No. Um, uh, you don't want the lights on for right. Halloween. And I'm gonna say something that sounds a little bit off-putting. It truly does, uh, but there are some advantages to being a very small. Uh, landlord where you're not a professional landlord this is not your job this is a supplement right mm-hmm. um got me in, nervous. In, in, what are you well say? it's especially in this day and age <laughs> like to say the word discriminate is a really bad thing to say mm-hmm. um but let's just say this very directly uh you can say no to anyone for any reason oh, when I you have a property saying. of one person like i like whether it's your personal beliefs whether you just don't like a feeling about somebody sure. whether you don't like the way they look or smell you literally can just say no Got it. Um, you cannot do that when you are a professional yeah. property manager or if you have a property management company. Gotcha. Because they are definitely professionals, Interesting. right? Interesting. So my point is, either. is that, um, so my father-in-law is a great example. My father-in-law, who's now deceased, uh, was r- renting three properties at one point before he died. And he's a good old boy country guy from he New Ruffles. He was Ruffles. renting them out to people. He was the landlord, okay. yep. And, um, and he would show up and he'd look you up and down and talk to you. Uh, it's like a character sometime, check. Right. It's exactly what it is. Like if you, if you didn't look him in the eye and shake his hand, he didn't like the way it felt. Yeah. He wasn't going to rent to you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he would tell you very rudely, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> but what's really interesting is all the ones he said yes to, they were in a relationship. He had one, I can one guy for 10 years on one property, another uh, couple for like six years who was our original IT guy that helped us out at home when we were, when we were babes in, in, uh, in I life. Love it. Um, but you have to like, trust you the can, old gut. It's a very right. good indicator if you listen to it. And I'm not being it. specific about like race. I'm talking literally anything. Like anything. you don't like the job that they do. You don't yeah. like their political beliefs. Like you can literally as a uh, fledgling landlord just choose, which is good because this is still the, probably the stage where it's your home. Like, right. well, I don't want this family of 30 kids in sure. my house. They're going to tear it up. You don't like their you dog no, or right. you don't like that they truly that they don't look you in the eye and shake your hand yep. with firmly. Like, or that you, you have, don't like... they have too many dogs. They have too many kids. Yeah. And, no, I and get like, it. Yeah. you can't really do that when you're a professional, sure. right? That's a good so, point. Okay. I like it. So early on, I think it is important to do whatever your idea of a, you know, background check is, um, pulling credit, getting, per- which you have to have permission to do, uh, you know, doing background checks, which you can easily do online as well. Mm-hmm. Um, call references for the love of God, like call the employer, make sure they're actually employed. Right. It's mm-hmm. bizarre to me how many people don't do that, that are going to let this person occupy their property. They can fill out any sheet or tell you whatever. Yeah, I've been working at HEB for 10 years. No, they've never worked here ever. I see what you're saying. Because people don't actually check the background because there's something like called sure a squatter. make sure they are working, yeah. Right. There's, are they really yeah. just uh, you know living off the government and can barely make it and they can't really afford this house? Um Having an ally that you can find that can run numbers basically to understand how this debt ratios kind of work. Uh, so I've had that advantage as a mortgage lender, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, but but that is a big piece that people don't think about is mm-hmm. how are you finding and how are you vetting your your people, right? So the would third, you say that not? To, I don't want to interrupt mm-hmm. you or derail you too hard, but oh, but you do all but, the time. Go ahead. <laughs> but I have no See, problem funny, doing funny. it. Funny. See, go ahead. <laughs> Whatever. Um, this is not a joke competition, Kay. Mm-hmm. Um, Dang it. Why do you do this? Well, you interrupted <laughs> me, so I interrupted you back, and I won. Yeah, but I can't handle it. I can only dish it. I get totally sidetracked. <laughs> oh, I know what I was Okay, so... We'll wait. Don't worry. Why? Okay, so our most... Do you... <laughs> can't even get up. Um, do you find that most problems that people have or that you hear about mm-hmm. are tenant-related, or is it... Does it... Is there a... Fair share of property related. No, it's almost always tenant. Always tenant. Yeah. It, properties are more predictable, right? Like there is a, yes, there's a truth that you could have a freaking lemon, right? Right. Just like a car, like that does happen. Does it happen happen often? No, because most people that buy a property as an investment get an inspection, and, right? So they know what they're getting, or they lived in it, so they know what's kind of coming up and what they're looking down the barrel of. Uh, separate of a storm, you know. Uh, right. Or a car that literally, if we've had this, but have a car drunk driver went through our fence and into the house. So you had this happen on one of your personal property. I lived properties? in. Yeah, you were living there. Yeah, I was. I was <laughs> young. I was like sixteen, fifteen. But yeah, that happened. Oh um, no! I'm so glad you're okay. No, I was younger than that. It was uh, <laughs> Dallas, so I must have been seven you or eight. You were the driver, right? Oh hell no! I was like seven <laughs> or eight. I just said. Um, I mean, I don't know, Josh. <laughs> I mean, you got uh, cray cray. No, used to be. Not anymore. <laughs> Um, like so my, my point in saying this is that yet the property is usually not the issue. Um, it is usually one of two things, in my opinion. It is uh, the tenants themselves or incorrect numbers done up front. Like the assumption okay. that okay, I can yes. rent it for this and I need this to cover the nut. Yeah. And what you can really rent it for is this. Got it. Uh, right. So those are, so it's upfront lack of due diligence 
so the numbers just don't what, work, yeah, right? Don't or work, it's yeah. you just took the first hot body. You know, I call it uh, in recruiting. I always, I always call it, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, beer goggles. Beer right? goggles. So I've got this property that's empty that I'm paying mortgage on. Uh, well, you look hot. Anyone will anyone do. Anyone comes through the, the, the door is looking real good at midnight. So come on, sweetheart. Let's go home tonight. Let's go. Um, I, I heard, Gabe. I heard that it happens every <laughs> once in a while. Um, Gabe cannot stop laughing. Right. So I feel guilt over there in that corner. <laughs> so, you know, you know it's, but it's the truth, right? Like um, I think about, I'll equate this to for other business owners when it comes to recruiting in general, right? The chances that you got a 10 out of 10 recruit on the first meeting, right. like you finally, I'm ready to hire for this position. Yeah. And the chance the first person that walks in the door is, that is happens to be unemployed, <laughs> right, yes. is a 10 out of 10 is freaking it's, nothing. Yeah, it's not it real. Yeah. Um, so you got to look through a lot of turds to find the diamond. <laughs> and it's the same thing with tenants typically too. Um, everyone's got a story. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. got a, w- w- what happens? Which is again, why I like, if I was going to be a landlord, I should never meet the people Yep. ever. You're bleeding heart. I mean, like it's why I can't t- do pre-qualifications. I like, it's just, yeah, it would not be good. Uh, <laughs> Next time for you. Next time. House is for you. you just, as soon as you can, you. as soon as yep. you can. Um, but yeah, I want to, that, that path is something that's really important to understand though. Because, and the numbers uh-huh. too, what are interesting. Um, I was, again, I said I was more prone to doing like a flip property and, um, I was talking actually to Chris about, I found one. I'm like, what do you think about this one? I feel like this would be good. And he walked me through the numbers and my brain was not in the correct spot about some of the things you have to think about. Mm-hmm. So hear very loudly like understanding the numbers are yep. huge and they're not if you don't we do talked it about a long. different podcast have a team like if you, for the love of god yes. if you're going to go in this like get it yeah do the do some research do your due diligence read up on it have a team that you trust and like and chris make sure, is and I that's mean, you tell, like you want to have a no guy like chris is a yeah. good no guy as an example like yeah i'll call him every once in a while say what do you think about this investment property and they'll say no like no. it doesn't make sense and yeah. so that's and so by the good. way he's a property manager and a realtor who would make money if make i money bought and he rented it right right yeah. but he says no because the numbers well, don't what's sense. really good too is finding someone like like as good as as chris in this situation it was a five-minute conversation over the phone he didn't have to go and see the property. He yep. didn't have to do all these things. He could quickly give me an analysis yep. that I could understand. And this this particular one really was kind of a toss-up. He was yep. like, it could, but it also couldn't. Yep. Um, so anyways, but finding somebody that's really good and confident, will say no if needed, yep. um, and can just quickly make help you make those decisions is huge. Yep. And so... Totally. Um, so let's just get the part part of, okay, so now we've started to vet, right? So mm-hmm. clearly Bryn's not going to do the interview. I am not going to do the um, interview. <laughs> so hopefully somebody's got a spine to like say no, right? Yeah. Like, uh, but the next thing that's behind the scenes that you have to understand is, you know, when you write a lease, it's a contract, right? It's a legally binding I instrument. I not think about that either. And people don't understand that. It's not as simple as like going to your buddy in a dorm and saying, hey man, like let's go go in on this rent you know, real deal together and don't worry, we can kind of get out whenever we want to. Yeah. Uh, It's the opposite when you're the landlord, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can't just kick somebody out in their butt in a day. Um, They have to violate the terms and conditions for you to do anything or you have to Mm -hmm. compensate them to get them out of it. Right. So, um, so now you're at this, this lease part. Now the good thing is all States have what's called a promulgated form, which means if you go to, for example, uh, Texas real estate department or, or say San Antonio board of realtors or 
Uh, Trek is, I think, the actual entity, Texas uh, Real Estate Commission. If you go to Trek, you can download the most current promulgated lease agreement. Um, if you're trying to do it on your own, which I did the first several, mm-hmm. I would encourage you to read the damn thing. Like it's amazing to me how many people just fill out the what's blank and read around what's blank as opposed to read the whole thing and understand what you're agreeing to <laughs> because this will be used against you in a court of law. Yeah. It will be used against you. It, uh, and you might agree to something that you would never agree on because if you understood what it was saying. Or um, heard scenarios of how this comes into play. I'll give you a couple scenarios. Um, so like in most lease agreements, so let's just talk about deposits, return of deposits, pet deposits, deposits, mm. deposits, okay? So the terms and conditions by which you get the, 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 the tenant gets that money back is a contested area on both sides, right? Um, in fact, uh, Chris, or my, one of my property managers, Chris said this is one of the top four areas that, that he sees as issues with individual landlords is they go way past the gray area mm. and they try to hold back too much deposit money. Oh. On the flip side... A tenant expects you to give it all back, right. even though they broke some shit. Right? I mean, I think that so, every tenant like, that's was a, like, "That's I mean, because they it's a need tip- that money to go to the next property, right?" So I mean, because if you're renting, it's typically first and last month's rent. That's a big yep, nugget. It's right a big there. nut for 99 percent of Americans. Yeah. So if they're really expecting you back a thousand bucks, and you're gonna say no, you better be prepared to defend it legally. And they're um, probably going to do things, spend a little bit of money. Well, they're going to spend a little bit of their own money to get the house prepared so it'll pass the inspection to get that money back. Yep. So then you have that, like, well, I like I did all this work and I spent money. Yep. I'll give you an example that Chris gave me, uh, which was super interesting. So let's just say uh, long-term tenant, right? So the tenant's been the property for seven years. And that's great. I mean, that's as good as it gets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they've yeah. been the property for seven years. For the most part, they did a great job of maintaining the property. There's nothing that is uh, other than normal wear and tear, okay? But when it's time to put this mar- this house back in the market, most people agree at that point that you have to get new uh, new carpet, okay? Say carpet so the tenant okay. thinks, give me my money back. I took care of the property the last seven years. The landlord says, I gotta keep your thousand bucks. I gotta replace the, t- gotta the, carpet. the carpet. Well, the example there is a judge will actually decide in the side of the tenant mm. because that's wear and tear, dude. Wear like and tear. just because they were there for the last seven years doesn't mean that that I mean, probably, carpet would have been perfect. I mean, the fact that they like, made it, about, the fact that it hasn't been replaced Well, think yet. about it also in the facts of what if you were the, the last tenant of seven tenants in seven years and then the landlord says, well, yeah. I got to replace the, the carpet. It's like, well, dude, but I've been here for one year. There's seven years seven, of damage, oh, right? That's true, yeah. So, so the point is, is like, not understanding that that you know you got to go to the letter of the law, make sure you understand the lease. Mm-hmm. Um, like we have a violation on one of my road properties right now. I just got to notice that um, they they did not have a pet. They did not do a pet deposit until we did a midterm inspection, and there's freaking scratch marks on my door from the pet that doesn't exist. Right. So the options are repair and give me a, a, a pet, pet deposit, deposit, or get the hell out. Yeah. Like those are the two choices. I feel like, do, do pets get hidden a lot? Of course they do. Okay. And yeah. of course there's different, if you're a good to, uh, landlord, you understand there's different levels of risk to your mm-hmm. property right. based on breed and size of dogs yeah, too. Yeah, like the little right? Yorkie. That cat ladies, try that one. How about having 30 cats in your house ooh, that you're not aware of? Ooh. So I'm giving a couple of horror stories. That's ooh, the that far ex- that's the far <laughs> side of the spectrum, obviously. But it goes back to clearly understanding 
and defining the relationship between landlord and tenant. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to do it, don't do it on a piece of paper. Right. Uh, like my father-in-law used to do originally until I found out and I, I gave him the truck <laughs> form. Like, Let's use these. Use a promulgated form that's yeah. that that covers the all the basics in, in at least the current state statutes and law, right? Um, so so that's a big issue. So now what else is behind the scenes? Well, uh, you and they must live up the terms and conditions of the agreement, which is the lease, right? Uh, and you've already I, kind of alluded to the fact that uh, evicting people is hard. Oh, yeah, and especially with covid Currently, it's even right. more oh difficult. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah. Uh, because there's actually uh, a law that's right now that you can't even evict. Can't evict. You're not supposed to be able to conv- uh, evict until December, I think it is. And uh, just for reference, it is. Um, yeah, I think you said December. Uh, yeah. Just for reference, it's September 30th. This last day of September, yeah. right? Um, 2020. Yep. So. So the. The you're not supposed to and you can't are two different things, but that's it goes back to understanding the law or not. So part of the whole CARES Act was trying to give mortgagees the ability to uh, do a forbearance, which, you know, not make mortgage payments. Mm-hmm. There are consequences. So if you're listening to this, make your damn payment. It will catch you in the butt eventually. Way yes. worse and than if you think. need more information about forbearance, yeah. visit not, our social media sites. If you're sites. one of my past clients, for the love of God, don't do a forbearance. Call me first and I'll tell you what and to and do. And visit our social media sites because there is quite a bit of content, yeah. video content around forbearance. Yeah. So. It, it affects you more than you think. Yeah. Um, it's not a free lunch that some people are taking it as, right? This, But the same thing with um, this misinformation that you can't evict. Well, you can evict, right? The, the There's a couple things that have to happen. Number one is the tenant must prove, and this is the hard thing, they must prove that they've exhausted all other, other government resources, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. other government resources before the landlord, uh, before they have the protection from the landlord. And they must have paid as much as is possible. Well, how the hell do you figure that one out? That was going to be my next right? question. Was Okay, so you, your, your rent's a thousand bucks. Not paying anything versus... Here's 550 bucks. It's all I can make work. And then proving 550 is all you can make work are very difficult in court, right? Because what's going to end up happening it is also makes me so when it does get around <laughs> to time to evict, because that's going to be back pay. The terms of the lease are not uh, protected from uh, the, the CARES Act. What ends up happening is that's still back pay that has to be made up. Or I'm going to evict you anyways as soon as I can, mm-hmm. right? So is it better just to... So they're, just now, rack, they're just racking up a bill. They're racking up a bill, right? Uh, and I, I'll tell you that the court will, will side on the side of the landlord eventually. Mm. If it's not this month, they'll be in four months. Okay. And so people are, there's going to be a lot of people in the streets because trying to make up four months back pay. I mean. It's not, it's not going to happen. If they can't make a $1,000 payment this month, they're not the, making 4000 That's in four the thing. Months. And that was my biggest, like worry when all the forbearance stuff came out. It's like, oh my gosh, because it's, it doesn't, you don't ever just, you don't have to just not pay that money back. It's either going to be tacked. It's going somewhere. You, and you if pay you can't it up pay full, it now, you tack it on or it comes out of your sale. It's still, you're still right. paying Right. And if you can't pay it now, why on earth are you going to be, like, it's going to be, it's yeah. created a really it's bad situation. It's truly designed for the worst case scenario. Like yeah. I have a buddy that lost his job. That's a good time. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of people that are like, I don't have to make my mortgage payments. So I'm just not. It's like, and they buy a gun or they buy a car Ooh. or it's like, yeah. That's not smart. That's, not, That's smart. not the intention. You must not be watching Sigmund Sense. Right. Um, <laughs> plug, so, plug. So that's a big piece. Um, proper vetting the tenant we talked about. Keeping tenant responsible to the lease is a, is a difficult one. 
Um, and that goes the opposite way too. You know, the landlord has to be up, uh, up as well. So think about the end. I always think about the beginning and the end a lot yes. with most everything I do with yes. any business venture, uh, with any lease, with any agreement. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in theory, I want them to leave well and I want to be happy as well. Right. Like they want to be happy. Yes. I want to be happy. So yes. the more you can define up front clearly, like this goes back to communication. That's really sucks between husbands and wives a lot. And, <laughs> and, or, or just me, maybe it's just me. Uh, See, that was I funny. mean, Randy and I don't so, have any communication right. issues, so, so um, it must be just you. Like I've, I, I'm very direct when I used to do my own leasing. I say, look, mm-hmm. you know, Bryn, let me just tell you my hot buttons, right? You know, if, if there's a small spill on the carpet, just clean it up. Don't leave it there. If your dog poops on the carpet, I get accidents happens. You clean it up. Don't leave right. it for three days. If there is a leak coming from the sink, do not leave it for a week. Please it's going to make it worse. You call me know. immediately, right? Yeah. So if you are on it and, le- and notify me of, hey, there's a problem immediately, then I'll probably work with you no matter what it is. But if Absolutely. there's a absolute disrespect of my property, mm-hmm. and you- then I'm going to take your, your deposit money. Right. Like I will take your deposit. I don't want to do that. What I want to do is I want to write a reference letter for you for your next sure. lease. I want to give you your money back. I want my property back in the I same condition you're getting. I don't want any enemies. Getting, right? I want, yeah. But, it, but for some reason, people aren't direct enough to just to call it like it is. Like, uh, I I'll actually tell, really like that. I told um, So I had one. I used to not at all ever rent to people with dogs. Mm-hmm. I like dogs, but it's just bad. I thought it was a bad call at the beginning. And um, That scares and, me too. Well, and this one lady, you know, it, it was her son, basically. Her dog was her child, right? And yeah. I get that. And so she said, listen, you know, I, I promise I'll just be this dog. It's, you know, this dog is house kept and, and, and will only poop in the yard and blah, blah, blah. Right. And I said, okay, tell you what, we're going to do this deposit for the dog. But I got to be honest with you. If I find out during our midterm that there's any additional dogs or that this dog is damaging the city in any way, mm-hmm. shape or form in three months, I'm kicking you out. Oh. Is that fair? No. It, but it's fair, <laughs> isn't it? Is it yes, fair? Yes, it's fair. Right. So you get your <laughs> shit, but don't lie to me and don't yeah. tear up my crap because you're taking advantage of a right. landlord. And that's what I see uh, if you're going back to the behind the scenes. What usually happens is there's somebody taking advantage of, of a situation. And I, I feel like it's one of those relationships that everybody like assumes has to be like this. Like, I feel like it's like, oh, the landlord. Oh, dude, my, my, my father-in-law used to go pick up the checks at the door and half of his people would give him something like cake or something because he's a sweet kid. Right. But sweet like, guy. and I think that's ideal, but like, well, that's don't my you, point like, is it doesn't have to be. It like doesn't this. have to be. But it's like when, when you think of, oh, the landlord and the tenant, like it's, no. it, it, I don't know. It has a perception yeah, that it's going to be rough or whatever. Dude, uh, if you're, a, you know, world. Doug used to refer his tenants business all the time. Like that IT guy, we yeah. probably paid him four different times to fix our computers and things. And, yeah. you know, but, and I'm telling you, my father-in-law was rough around the edges. Like not everyone liked him, but the ones that did like him were the ones really? who were renting from him. Yeah. Cause he didn't let the people he didn't like rent from him. Absolutely. And they had a great conversation about it and, and he did what he said he was going to do and they did what they said they were going to do. And they'd call each other out on things when there was a, not the problem. And they liked each other, and, and they, that's why I had so many long-term And wanting to do what's tenants. fair, you know. Right. I think um, at, at the end of the day, too, just remembering that you have something that somebody else needs, and so therefore, it's in everybody's best interest to make it work out. to make it work. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, okay. What else do you have on your list? Because um, I think the next big one is something that's hot to me is for sure, just because what I do. But proper maintenance of the books, like the mm. balancing the books. Uh, here's what I mean by that. So there's two aspects here that you need to keep in mind. One is a real ledger. You have to have a ledger 
through Excel or QuickBooks or something mm-hmm. of every deposit received, okay. every rent received, the date of the receipt. Because if you don't have an actual ledger that matches the deposits, then if you do have to evict, if you do have to take court action, there's no data to prove it, right? Like you're supposed to take your books. And cash checks wouldn't work or like images. Well, cash checks are two different things. Sorry. Um, So (laughs) cash definitely doesn't work unless you're writing a a receipt (laughs) and doing a ledger. Yeah. uh, Yes, it works, but it's creating that paper trail. Right. So here's what I got. Here's the date I got it. Here's your receipt. Here's it's in my ledger. So you got to create that because on the flip side, you know, um, what if you had a tenant for three years and you forgot how much the deposit was they gave you and they remember oh, one number. Gosh, and, and didn't you rem- think about that. Yeah. I mean, do you remember? Nope. I, I mean, I, I assume it's first month and last month's rent. Right. But what if it was 500 bucks or maybe it was 1250 because you had a dog or right. who knows? So if you don't start and finish with a good ledger, yeah. it's a mistake. So that's one side of things. But the other side of things is for tax purposes, because Mm -hmm. there are a tremendous amount of tax advantages to rental properties. Namely, you can write off anything Anything. like any repair, any plumbing, any electrical, any painting, uh, any Mm -hmm. loss of rent um, due to a storm, uh, any uh, uh, landscaping like it is an investment. So any uh, it taxes insurance mortgage. So So you you need to keep all that in a list to provide your CPA because you're going to have a final balance sheet of here's my expenses, here's my revenues. Yeah. Right. So income minus expenses, right? Here's my profit and you're going to pay profit. You're going to pay taxes on the profit. Right. Uh, I've seen people before where they have a private note to an individual. So it's not on credit reports. So there's no mm. 1098 interest statement. Okay. That you would normally get from your mortgage company. And so they're paying out thousand bucks a month. Use a hard money lender. Think of it like this. Yeah. Paying out thousand bucks. Now that lender should have given them to ninety eight, but they didn't. So they're they're reporting arbitrary number fifteen hundred bucks a month, right? So eighteen thousand a year of revenue, mm-hmm. but they didn't write off the outlay. Yeah. So think yeah, about yeah. the math here. Yeah. So they're giving out a thousand bucks a month. They're taking in fifteen hundred dollars a month. They're paying taxes of real income on fifteen hundred dollars a month. They actually are losing money losing after money. taxes yeah. because if you take the tax bracket, just use 35%, thousand bucks minus thousand bucks equals I made no money, but I still had other expenses like tax and insurance. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you don't have good books, you're going to leave money on the table and the government will happily take it from you. Right? I mean. So uh, good books, I think, is super, super, super important. And the last thing that you've got to really understand, I believe, behind the scenes. Uh, is you've got to understand the eviction processes mm, yeah. uh, because we we hope it goes well. It doesn't always go well. I think, though, in 15 years of being a landlord, uh, probably evicted two. I was, that was going to be my next question. I wonder. Like two. I was wondering how often it two. actually gets to that point. And it actually doesn't. I actually think we only evicted one. I think the other one was it was going to go that way, but they took the smart option and just left. So they didn't have the additional because we were we I was right yeah and they were going to lose. Can you tell us what happened so we would know what leads to an actual to go back eviction? To what it was. Um, Let me just make something up mid-ter- if you have to. No, 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 Story no. time. I think it was a midterm inspection that was really bad. Um, in fact, so also was, you've mentioned midterm inspections a couple of times. Um, yeah, so landlords have the right to occupy the, to to enter their property. It's their property, right? If it's put in a lease, they can say how often. Okay. Right. So uh, what we do is every three months, 
we do an inspection. And what we do is we literally send an inspector over. Oh, okay. That's the same inspector that, that walked him in. Oh, by the way, that's one thing to forget. Uh, when you first check in at a client, you walk through together. Together. And you have like a checklist. Like you're renting a car. And you have a checklist of every room and you take pictures of every room. And you get idea. them to sign off on the move-in checklist that this was here, this was here, this is working, this is working. The carpet looks good. The walls are painted, freshly painted. Right. And they're signing off on all this stuff was done. And then when you walk out, you walk through together. And you say, well, that hole wasn't in the wall. Yeah, it was. No, sure here's was. a picture of the fucking wall <laughs> that didn't have a hole in it. it right? You know, and... Documentation. Documentation. And at first, uh, like hearing that first, like, oh my gosh, every three months, they're going to come and inspect my house. How dare they? Uh, no, I'm thinking, bring it. Can we do this every month? Like, yeah. just come while well, I'm not there. Well, it goes back how you pose it, right? Right. I'm trying, I don't, to, pro- I'm trying to protect your deposit I don't, money. I don't want to know at the end that I'm not getting my $1,500 deposit Absolutely. back. So come over every month and let's keep up with this stuff along the way yep. so that I can get my money back. Yeah. Or well, like we, what well we have is. an early agreement, which is super interesting is I, like I said, I pay for an inspector to go. If the inspection is clean, I pay the inspection. Mm. Mm. If the inspection is not good, you're paying the inspection. They get to pay it. So every 90 days, you have a reason to like tidy crap up and make sure it's all good. Yeah. So it doesn't compound and compound and or, compound. Or like you said, communicate when there's a little leak. You know, like don't let this it. stuff. Yeah, we're going to find it. And if, if there's something bad that we find that you didn't tell us, you're paying the you're extra. You're going down. You're paying the inspection and we're probably going <laughs> to evict you. Right? So. He doesn't I have, it in. He loves at none of my jokes. <laughs> you're cute. See, that was funny too. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. What else I'm is on your list? I'm my own jokes. Um, so the eviction process, uh, it changes annually. So you've got to keep up with the rules. So I literally called my property manager to make sure I, I, I didn't miss anything. Uh, you do have to do a posting on the door or mailbox three days Ooh, to dang. five days, depending on the, uh, on the year, but three to five days uh, before you actually go file. Then you've got to file with the courts. Uh, when you file with the courts, that's when you have to give them your ledger and the lease oh, and all the proof. So let's start there. If you don't have right? that, so if you like, don't have that, you're not a victim. You're not evicting So here's them. the lease agreement, legally binding, signed by both of us. Here's the consideration. Yeah. I got the deposit. Here's the ledger of everything I've taken in, because the it's not a he said she said when it goes to court. Remember, you're trying to remove somebody from where they're from protecting they're their family from the elements. Yeah. Right. Like the emotion is on the side of the tenant, not the landlord. So you've got to make sure that you have all your T's and I's crossed. Mm -hmm. So without a shadow of a doubt, you violate the terms condition of the lease. It's legally binding. There is, there is a proper documentation. You're out. Right. So, and then, uh, um, you know, there's a court date set and all parties show up or somebody doesn't and it's over. Uh, but there's costs associated with it. Yes. And then you also have to get a sheriff's deputy out there if you have to forcibly remove somebody from property. Miserable. One time in 15 years, um, that's Eight, actually really good. Yeah, I'm and really I'm just trying to, to say, I'm trying to think about how many properties have gone through 20, 30, 40, 35, 40 properties. Yeah. Like, I'll take those odds. Yeah. yeah. Um, not, so, too, not too shabby. Yeah, I think that that's really uh, the, the basics behind this. So, the only so thing we recap didn't cover, those, and then I have one last question. Unless yeah, you I want to recap that, and I had one last thing we, we were supposed to talk about. So, um, proper vetting of the tenant would be number one. Um, number two would be create a binding lease on a promulgated mm-hmm. form that you understand, right? Yep. Uh, number three would be make sure that you maintain the books, like yep. all books, both for expenses and for a revenue income. Um, four would be understand the correct eviction processes and procedures. Uh, the asterisks were, don't forget, you're going to have to market this at some point, so how are you going to fill the thing? 
Uh, the other asterisk is make sure you know your numbers before you know start, numbers. you know, yeah. lease it out for a, too little. Mm-hmm. Um, any other asterisks I missed? I don't think so. The uh, only other thing that I had missed was when do you change from a oh, individual yeah. landlord to a property manager? What is that transition? And it really comes down to money and time. Money and time. Right. So, yeah. um, Remember that once that transition happens, you lose. Uh, you, there are more regulations and compliance you've got to follow when you are either a professional property manager, mm-hmm. uh, meaning you're managing ten properties. This is your main source of income, not ten. It's your primary source of income is rental properties. Is rental. Okay, got it. Or if you hand over to a property management company, either way, there are bigger restrictions, compliance issues, paperwork that you've got to adhere to, and you can't discriminate. Not from that one word, but from all like sure. RESPA is, you know, everything from race, religion, creed, sexual orientation, uh, marital status, status, uh, class, like all those things yeah. you can't discriminate against. Uh, or even if it's your gut feeling, I don't really like the situation. Well, I'm a Hispanic female, right? Uh, I'm a protected class. Sure. Like you can't, you can't make those gut decisions. Right. Yeah. So exactly. my point in saying this is that for me, it came down to, I remember clearly when I chose. Uh, it was when I was. It was literally Christmas Day when a pipe blew out, Ugh. and so I had to go get the plumber. You had to go. Yeah. I had to find the plumber. It's not something you leave laying around. Sure. Uh, so I had to make and good luck finding a plumber. I mean. So I paid like three x what a normal plumber costs to get over there on Christmas Day to stop the leak, which had to be done. Uh, and I was like, I will never do this again because I didn't want to be bothered on Christmas Day. Right. Uh, now, mind you, I probably hadn't gotten a problem call in nine months. <laughs> Right. But it was Christmas Day. But it doesn't matter. So for me, that was it. Um, (laughs) Another one comes down to uh, sometimes you have to, when I said money, the 10% in some cases when markets shift or change could Mm -hmm. be the difference of you being profitable or losing money. Got Uh, it. So at some point you have to look at it and say, hey, this is a losing investment, the 10% margin, which is what typically property managers charge. Less with multiple properties, but usually 10%. um, And that's of the revenue, not of the profit. So if it's a... $2,000 $2,000 rental, they're taking the first 200 bucks, right? Right. It's not yeah. 2000 rental minus the, minus the mortgage and everything else. And then they take 10%, they take they're taking 10% off the top. Okay, so got it. it's oh, that's a big a good, number. That, it's a big number. Yeah. Um, but is it worth it long-term? Yes. Because a good property manager is marketing, has a sales force to help fill those properties. I never go more than 30 days without my properties filled ever. Um, which is ab- I mean, which that is, is a big deal. That's huge. Yes. Right, time between tenants is mo- is costing you money every single day. And um, the inspections, I inspections mean, I think that's are managed. Uh, they have a big. They think about Costco, why they can charge less for everything. Um, if I call an individual plumber or an electrician, which I should have put as an asterisk, have your upfront figure out who you're going to call when it comes up because sometimes they come that up. That was how I wanted to end. Honestly, okay, was, I'll, I'll like, I'll like yeah, yeah, but yeah. So they've got their sphere of people. Sure that will do discounted services because they're on the clock all the time with these 300 doors. Yeah, they're keeping them super busy. They're keeping them super busy, so it's a little bit cheaper that way. Um, So between the, they manage the books, they do the eviction process, they market. They know what they're doing. They know the most recent (laughs) government changes. Like uh, that eviction example, my property manager with 500 doors just told me he's not had, he, he has evicted during COVID when he's not supposed to evict because he knows that they didn't follow the letter of the law. Yeah. Whereas if I'm an individual landlord and I see 
can evict during COVID and I didn't know the other two pieces. Well, mm-hmm. as long as you prove that you've exhausted all government resources and sure. you've paid as much as you possibly can. Basically what Chris did when he had to evict somebody was literally tell the, uh, the attorney called him said, you can't do this. He said, well, actually here's what's going to happen. Yeah. I can let your client out and give them the deposit back. I can do that right now because they're not making their payments and make it easy on your client. Mm-hmm. Or you need to prove this and this, which they have not done yet. And when I can evict in three months, I'm going to do all the back charges. I'm going to do all the attorney fees and they're going to lose their ass. Yeah. So what do you prefer? And they what said, yeah, prefer? we'll go ahead and leave right now. We'll leave. So, Bye. But a yeah. professional property management knows the law, 100%. the loopholes and the conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I personally do it. And I would endorse a couple of different property managers, but I use uh, Red Wagon Realty, Chris Hockert. Mm-hmm. Another great local one is uh, is uh, um, Peace of Mind. Peace of Mind, yeah. Uh, but Chris Hockert's been my guy for 15 years. Yeah, so. he's fantastic. And I have family that works with him. Um, okay, so I want to wrap this up by saying, let's give a quick, who's the team? If I don't know anyone... If I, or if I don't, if I'm not a lender, if I'm not a realtor, if I'm, you know, if I'm not in the business, sure. who, who do I need under, who do I need on my team? Okay. So start with all maintenance issues. So, uh, think in terms of plumber, painter, uh, electrician, uh, yard, cause you oh, need yeah. to maintain the yard in yeah. between tenants, uh, and then handyman. So those would be the main ones I would have on, on hand, uh, up front. So you know who to call, who are you going to call Absolutely. Maybe a roofer. Maybe a roofer because if there's a storm, yeah. you got to get plastic down quickly for insurance to cover it, right? Mm, okay. um, so past that, then I would go to the real estate and lending and yeah. title teams, right? Uh, and it's, uh, I would add an inspector, property inspector, because I would recommend midterm or at least before and after inspections. Um, I would recommend a realtor that can that is specific to investment properties. Yes that knows how to correctly do rental comps mm-hmm. to give you good information about what this property will rent for and what period of time and where it prices compared to other peer groups in the area. Um, so that you understand that you're not going to get yourself in, in hot water doing this. Uh, whether it's a mortgage lender or a property manager that you can pay fee for service to pull credit. Mm-hmm. I think that you've got to have somebody that will do those credit pulls for you with permission to double check the uh, the the guidelines, sorry the uh, the credit worthiness of those people. Um, yeah, and I think then that's all I have. Um, somewhere to get the contracts. So, but well, I guess the realtor, real, the realtor, realtor can do that. you can actually go for free online to Trek if yeah. you're in Texas. Uh, and, and, and download and the most recent uh, Texas and residential just lease sure agreement. Have, I guess a real estate agent could also Easily. help you make sure that it was filled out correctly. Easily. Yep, I love it. Um, that was actually really, really good. Well, you seem surprised. <laughs> I am shocked. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really good. And I think, um, man, there's a lot to know about it. So, um, yeah, just really good, good information. Cool. I liked it. I liked it. Well, so, if you have more questions, concerns, or comments, what email address do we send things to? Sigmundsense at gmail.com. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of questions about this. So cool. bring them on um, and tell your friends, tell your family, subscribe, share. Like, subscribe, give us share. Some comments. I think it's the order. Make like, fun of Josh. Share. Laugh at my jokes. I'll laugh at your jokes next time. I'll do it for no, you. No, you won't. I will. Don't say things you're not really willing to commit to, okay? I'm committing. The whole next episode, I will laugh every time. I might seem like a sinister evil man. Ha, 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 ha. But I will laugh. Peace out. We'll see you next time, guys.